Howdy there, my name's Adam Weatherby, and I hail from the great state of Wyoming. How many people here we got from Wyoming? Great, thanks. We'll meet later. Uh, I'm originally from California, and, and so uh, this place is a really, really special place to me. Uh, how many of you have been to Hume Lake before? Uh, whoa! How many first-timers? Cool. Welcome, guys. That's awesome. Um, man, Hume is a, a really, really special place. I've been, uh, I mean, I was a high school camper here in this chapel just a couple years ago when I was in high school. <laughs> you guys are mean. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I've been a camp counselor here. Uh, I've been a speaker here, not only here, but uh, for, man, I've spoken Hume for men's stuff and junior high stuff and high school stuff and father, daughter and Hume East and Hume San Diego. I even did a Hume camp in Greece once for military kids from Germany. It was awesome. So I, I just, Hume has been a part of, uh, of my life in so many uh, different ways. Now, one of the most special things was I came up as a camper as a freshman and, and got off the van and, and showed up for summer camp, Ponderosa. And, uh, and I had a girlfriend when I came up here. And uh, she broke up with me like two days into camp because that's what you do, summer camp romance, go for somebody else. So, so my first camp experience, I, I got dumped uh, by this one girl and I was heartbroken in the middle of summer camp sitting in here, not paying attention to the speaker because I was heartbroken until I realized this girl had a twin sister. <laughs> and the next day I'm out on the red canoe on that lake right there. Uh, with a girl that I'm going to celebrate 26 years of marriage with next Wednesday, as a matter of fact. So uh, struck out on the first one and then got the winner there uh, for a second. So uh, this is a picture of my family, uh, Brenda and Connor and Dana. This was a couple years ago. Uh, Connor and Dana are 2019, both in college. Uh, again, we've been uh, married just for a long time now. Uh, and uh, she had to be at, at a deal. Actually, her grandma passed away, and, and uh, is that a deal for that? So she's not able to be up here. Kids are finishing up college. But um, Hume is, uh, you can bring down the family photo, but Hume's, like I said, it's a special place. I have, man, I've been in this room so many times and seen God just do things in this place. And I, I, know, I know it's not just about you know, places, but I was even talking to a friend of mine out here today and just about, he, he mentioned like there are monuments, there are things, there are places that God has shown up and done amazing things. When I showed up today after being to Hume dozens and dozens and dozens of times in my life, I haven't been here in five years. And when I got out today, it was something about, I don't know, the smell, the sound, the everything, like, I don't know, like I got all emotional. And, there, and it's not just because of the fun and good times. I have seen grown men weep in this room and confess and repent and change for the better. And I've seen it over and over and over again. And I have a feeling he's going to do something again here this weekend, as he always does. Not because of the place, not because of me, not because of the band, but because we serve a good and holy and loving God who wants a relationship with each and every one of us. And so I'm excited about um, this weekend. Um, you know, a bit about myself. I have kind of an interesting bio. Uh, I have this, uh, you know... Because for me, I, I grew up in this family. My, my grandpa started a firearms and ammunition company in 1945 in his garage in Southern California. Kind of a rare story, right? So 77 years ago, he's a poor farm boy from Kansas, moves out, has seven older sisters, didn't own the shirt on his back, and began, he was like into this hand-loading stuff. He's a hunter, and he injured an animal, and he wanted to provide for a more quicker, humane kill so he can harvest this animal and eat it, and so he developed this whole magnum thing to get bullets moving faster, and it was this crazy thing back in the 40s in Southern California, right? 
And man, this business just exploded. And in 1945, he officially, you know, set up shop. And so I, I grew up in his family. My grandpa passed away in the 80s, and my dad ran it for a bunch of time. And so here I am, third generation of this kind of internationally renowned, uh, you know, prestigious uh, kind of, you know, hunting firearms and ammunition business. And so I grew up thinking that's what I was going to always do. And so that's what I did. I got married, and I went into that. And after about three and a half years, I actually left that and went into full-time ministry. I did seminary and was a youth pastor at a church here, Tassadar Bible Church. See a whole lot of friends here uh, that are up here representing. Uh, for 14 years, I went into full-time ministry. And so for much of that, and God just grabbed a hold of my life and was able to use me to just, man, just... I don't know. It was an awesome time in my life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And so during that time, my testimony was, you know, God called me out of this business and called me into ministry. Well, in 2014, I left full-time ministry and went back to take over as third generation for my family business. And now I have to change my testimony, right? It was like, okay, I left, you know, this horrible thing, business, and I went to full-time. Well, now I went back. And now I'm like kind of doing both. And it's kind of a weird thing. I took over. And so I am yeah, I'm CEO of a gun manufacturing business, and, and, uh, and so we, in 2018, actually moved from the state of California after being there for 70-some-odd years and moved to Wyoming. That's a state in this country. In case you don't know, we have like nine people there. Uh, there. There are more guns than people, more antelope than people. There's more prairie dogs than people. There's like more anything than people there, uh, but it's a great place. It's a free place. We love it. Um, it's freezing cold. So don't anybody move there. That's what everybody in Wyoming says that I'm supposed to say. But it is, man. People say, what do you miss about California? And I'm like, man, all winter long, I miss a lot. It is cold out there. But, um, man, we just get outdoors. We do hunting and hiking and backpacking and fishing. I mean, you can fly fish right outside. We live right next to the mountains up there. And it's an awesome deal. And when we moved out there... Moved our business for obvious reasons that it's probably better to do out there than it is here, and I won't go into that, but that's um, uh, for another time, another place, maybe late at night sometime, but we did that, and I mean, it was literally the governor of Wyoming just, man, said, hey, here's my cell phone number, we're going to get you to our state, like, let me know, uh, yeah, let me know if you need anything. Uh, he dropped by during the pandemic, and he's like, just keep doing what you're doing, so it's a great place. Okay, enough of that. I'm going to move on. I'm going to get in the Bible, because there's too much controversy already, right? I know this is my last time here now, but, um, but what's cool is, man, we moved out there and, and uh, done a lot of ministry and speaking and pastoring, and, and uh, we moved out there. Kind of the one thing we wanted to do is we're like, hey, we're going to find a church, and and, and my wife goes, well, we're not going to plant a church, though, right? I'm like, no, that's a lot of work. We're moving a family. We're building a manufacturing facility. We're moving employees across the country. We're hiring, you know, a bunch of people that are out there and, and trying to move people. And last thing we want to do is plant a church. We're just going to find a church, and it's going to be great. Well, we planted a church in Wyoming. <laughs> Uh, a couple years ago, started meeting in our living room, found another guy who's a lieutenant of police department, and he's another washed-up youth pastor like me, and so we kind of did it, ended up finding another washed-up youth pastor too, there's three of us, and uh, ended up uh, starting a church, uh, it's an awesome thing, kind of networked together, got this guy to come in, and a couple years ago, we uh, planted this church in a little dinky town called Sheridan, Wyoming, and so that's what I do up there, um, you know, I pastor, we kind of all three share, and so I just teach in this small church, and it's growing, and God's doing amazing things, and as, as would be in Wyoming, man, people are coming to the Lord, and we're baptizing them in a feed trough, uh, which is awesome. I mean, in the true Wyoming way, and, and so it's been just an incredible time of, of seeing what God's doing in the, in the life of people up there. Um, and so, yeah, that's a bit about, I don't know, because I know it's kind of confusing. 
when I used to speak, I'm like, yeah, I'm a youth pastor, and this is just kind of what I do, and, and now I get to kind of wear all these different hats, but I can relate with a lot of you folks that are maybe doing ministry, maybe that are trying to serve the Lord, that are trying to maybe raise a family in the midst of, um, man, the world that is going on and is crazy, and you're going to work, and you're just, all these things are mixing up, and these last couple of years have been nuts, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm coming back to Hume, and I'm coming to Fisherman's Retreat, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, what do you talk to a group of guys about after the last couple years? And you know, one of the things I think, you know, as men, you know, we often think of the word courage or boldness and different things like that. And I think more than any time ever, there's, there's a lot of guys really living in fear. A lot of people living in fear the last couple years. You know, fear of a lot of different things, like fear of our freedoms going away, fear of you know, uh, you know, fear of pandemics, you know, fear of getting sick, fear of somebody making me get a shot, fear of what the, the leader of Russia is going to do, fear of, I mean, you name it, there's a lot of fears out there, isn't there? There's a lot of people battling things. And then even in the church, there's different fears and people are leaving, they're going other places and they're getting upset because my church didn't handle this all right, my church handled this all right. And, you know, there's just these fears about, man, my kids are growing up now and things are going so crazy. What are, what's, gonna, what's school going to be like for them? Do I keep them in public school or do I homeschool them or do I private school? What do I do? And anybody identify with any of these things I mentioned? It's been a crazy couple years. People are afraid for their grandkids, they're afraid for their retirement, now we're afraid for the economy, and we're afraid for inflation and what it's going to do, and it's just, man, I think we need a, it's, it's almost like, you know, times like this, like in movies, during things like, it's like we need a superhero or something. It's like we need to put up that bat thing, you know, and it's like the whole town's like, oh, what are we going to do, the Green Goblin, you know, and like Batman comes down or whatever, and it's like, it's almost like we need Captain America. Or somebody to just come and, and to do something. There's this line in uh, one of those superhero movies with them was Marvel or something. My kids are obsessed with those things. But where there's this, this line where he says, that's not freedom. He says, that's fear. And you know what's interesting is our, our country was founded on, on freedom, right? Uh, in fact, there's a quote uh, that Harry Truman said, America was built not on fear. America was built on courage, on imagination, and unbeatable determination to do the job at hand. So we live in a country where it wasn't built on fear. It was built on freedom. In fact, those of us that are in the Christian faith would adhere to Galatians 5.1 that say that our faith shouldn't be built on fear either. It should be built on freedom. Galatians 5.1 said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And so we live in this country, and many of us are parts of these faith circles in which we're supposed to live this free life, and yet we've been living in a culture and a time in which fear has been dominating everything. And we see it on the news, and we see it in our social media feeds, and it's everywhere, and it's everybody getting scared about everything and blaming everybody else and making memes about it. And I mean, it's just nuts, isn't it? And it's like, man, the fear is just driving us to do crazy things. And it's time we get back to realizing what freedom is, and I'm not just talking about as Americans, but I'm talking about as who we are as men, as who we are, more importantly, in Christ. You can pull that slide down. Our response to moments of fear help determine the quality and direction of our life and can be one of the best indicators of our maturity, or even more so, our spiritual maturity. You know, there's been a lot of change, and change causes fear, Right? And we may go through things, and then we may go through something again, and we have little flashbacks, things happen. Like, you know, my wife, we moved out to Wyoming, and it was hard to 
learn how to drive in the snow and the ice. We're just typical California people, and people from Wyoming are like, these guys don't know what they're doing. My wife goes and rolls her car, right? She was fine. She called me. Car's tipped on the side. In Wyoming, they're like, oh, there's another car tipped over, you know? And uh, man, she drives so slow now on that road. It's the road to get to our house. We live three and a half miles down dirt road. It's Wyoming. There's like two paved streets. And so, but man, she goes down this thing. And what happens? Like she, she gets literally, she'll hit these washboards in the road and the wheels start shaking. And what happens? She gets scared again, right? And we all have those instances, right? Over and over again where that happens when we're alone. Things cause fear. And we have, you know, the, a lot of change. There's been changes in politics. There's been maybe changes in your work. And maybe you're working from home now and you didn't before. And now there's war and economic woes and all these different things. And so what do we do? How do we address that? How do we just look life in the eyes right now and have boldness and courage? How do we not make decisions based on fear? Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. There's a lot of superheroes in the Bible. There's a lot of instances of a lot of people who go through really hard things. A lot of people who go through a lot of change. At the beginning of Joshua, there's a guy by the name of Moses. Probably heard of him. Moses was a pretty strong leader. Follow up from Moses, like those are big shoes to fill, right? This guy named Joshua is supposed to fill in after Moses, right? The Moses that let the people go, that parted the Red Sea, that led them through the wilderness, that did all these different things. They finally get to the promised land. And in Joshua, we get to a story where Joshua's taken over. If I'm Joshua, I'm scared. Here's, here's the situation with Joshua. The leader of Israel, a guy named Moses, dies. Kind of big deal. He's got a million people following him around. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They're supposed to go in this promised land. It's inhabited by giants, and everyone around them wants them dead. And you're the next leader. Imagine being that guy. You talk about change, and you talk about fear. And yet one of my favorite parts of Scripture lie in Joshua chapter 1. And if you're a father, you're a leader, you're a... It, it, a husband, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in, in what light it is. There's some powerful things we could take away from the beginning of Joshua, and I'm just going to read straight from the Word. Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So Joshua, be strong. And courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to what is written in it. For then you uh, excuse me, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The last two verses here I'm going to read, 10 and 11. And Joshua 
commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over the Jordan, take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. That's the word of the Lord. There's a few phrases repeated there, and you probably noticed them. A little bit about being strong, a little bit about being courageous. Probably because Joshua needed that. He got a pep talk from God. That's kind of cool. Right? And so he's looking at these giants. He's looking at having to take this land. The leader Moses is there. He's got a million people following him around. And there's this passage where God just steps in and says, Joshua, you got to be strong and you got to be courageous. But there's another part in that passage that's said over and over again. Why? Because he says, because the Lord your God is what? With you. You know what my favorite words in the Bible is that word with? It's a simple word, isn't it? Think of the Christmas story. What's Emmanuel mean? Shout it out. Right? That middle word, with, God, with us, is pretty incredible. You know, at the beginning of the Bible, that's how it started. Can you imagine being in the Garden of Eden, walking and talking and having God, the creator of the universe, the one who designed everything, breathed the universe into existence, was walking and talking with people? And do you know how the Bible ends in Revelation? Guess where God's people are? They're with him. Revelation chapter 21 gives this vision of heaven. In Revelation 4 and 5, we see God seated on his throne. From the beginning of the Bible to the end, there's a lot of things that change, and none of it's God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then you have, like, several hundred pages of us. There's two basic things, change and sin. You just see it over and over again. People are changing. People are doing stupid things. People are sinning over and over again, and God's reaching out to them. At the very beginning, you have God with us. At the very end, you have God with us. And then in the middle, you got this mess of what we're in right now. And God does, is with his people in the form of the temple. He's with his people in the form of Jesus Christ in the flesh. He's with his people in the form of the spirit as he is with us now. And so the promise to Joshua that God was with Joshua is the same to us. But are you making decisions in this kind of fearful world, this post-pandemic war, inflation, blah, blah, all this stuff? Are you making decisions like God is walking with you? Because I don't know about you, but I'm most scared when I'm alone. There's my brother once, he was in the house, and he was laying in bed, and we were in high school, and he had his own room, and he heard uh, something moving in the house. And immediately when you're alone, something's moving in the house, it's a bad guy, it's going to kill you. So he's laying in bed, and this thing's getting closer, closer to him. Because my brother, he's a little bit weird, I'll explain it later, but he had a machete in his room. <laughs> and uh, he's a guy. And he literally goes, I'm going to get my machete and put it under my pillow. And he, he built it up in his mind that somebody's walking in the house just ready to kill him, Right? Because what do we do in moments when we're alone? We just jump to the worst. We get filled with fear. We're not strong and courageous. We're alone and we're timid and we're weak. That's what happens when we're alone. And by the time the chocolate lab that we owned got into the room, my brother had jumped off the bed onto her and then realized it was his dog. <laughs> he, he didn't kill it or anything. Man, in moments when we're alone can lead us to fear, and that's why God tells Joshua, Joshua, you may feel alone right now. But I'll tell you something about feelings, man. They're tricky. They trick you. I'm kind of an emotional guy. I'll admit it. I know I'm supposed to be the speaker at a men's retreat, so I shouldn't be emotional, but I am. And I'll tell you what, my feelings trick me all the time. I do things I don't want to do, and I don't do things that I do want to do because my feelings trick me all the time. 
And God tells Joshua, there's only one way you're going to be strong and courageous, and it's going to be because I am going to be with you. And there's a lot of isolation the past couple years. A lot of people working from home more, a lot of kids maybe not going to school, a lot of people just spending a lot of time alone. I know there's a lot of depression that came out of that. There's suicide that came out of that. There's a lot of dark things that came out of a lot of aloneness. Mother Teresa once says that the worst disease that she'd seen been in India all those years wasn't all the diseases she saw in the streets. She said, the worst disease I saw was loneliness. She said, it's the feeling of being unwanted or uncared for and feeling alone or not valued. And we have a God who is with us. Over and over again throughout Scripture, you see God's pursuit of his people. And maybe you're here this weekend and you thought, dude, I'm supposed to fish and now I have this weird gun guy slash pastor guy that's talking to me. Maybe you don't even politically align with any of that. I don't care because that's not why I'm here. At the end of my life, it's not about that. It's not about politics. It's not about business. It's not about any of those things. It's about the word of the Lord and the truth of God's word. And if he is who he says he is. And I'm here to tell you that the God of the universe throughout this Bible, the best-selling book of all times, has pursued a relationship with us. With us. And it's in the moments that we can realize that, that we can truly grasp what it means to be strong and to be courageous. And some of us may feel distant from God. Maybe you came here and you said, I've tried church and I've tried God and I've done this, but I don't feel, again, feel, like God is with me. And what's funny is, then what we do is we place the blame on God, which is kind of ironic, like being who he is, like perfect and all that, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-loving, full of grace and mercy, yet slow to anger and abounding in love and all the things that's talked about in Scripture. And then you have us on the other side. And yet, when God isn't with us, somehow we jump to this conclusion that he's not pursuing us. That, that, that it's a God who's distant. And, and maybe you're here, and maybe that's the way some of you feel right now. But look in this passage in uh, verse 7. It says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or left that you may be successful where you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you'll go. You look at that passage and we think, well, wait, why is God distant? But yet there's a command within here that you're to do a couple other things. If, if you're feeling distant from God or there are times in your life where you did or you drove up the hill today and you feel incredibly distant from God, there's two things here. And, and it may not seem like a blast. It, it may seem like it's not very popular, but there are two things here. He says, obey and meditate on his word. Two things right in that passage. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses give you, he tells him. And to keep the book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night. Why are those two things important? Because as we do that, as it's promised to us actually in James, that as we draw near to God, what does it say in James? He will draw near to you. And we have a God that's pursuing us, and yet 
He says right here, we, we can meditate on his word. And then we go, oh, I don't feel God. I haven't heard from him. I don't know what's going on. Everything It's like, well, when's the last time you meditated on God's word? You opened the Bible and you read it and you grasped it and you went to church and you soaked it up and you did all those things and you meditated on it. Because I'm here to tell you this, that the more you do that, God will be with you. You know, have you ever been around somebody so much? Maybe it's a spouse or a kid. And then you're not with them physically, but you still know what they would do in a particular situation. Like your mother growing up, right? When mom wasn't there, you still know what mom would have told you to do, right? We all do. That's why moms are so great, right? Amen. <laughs> you know, I, uh, one of my, I have a bunch of hobbies. It's a problem. You can talk to my wife about it. She didn't like it. But um, one of the things I do is I, I like to fly airplanes, like small, old, cheap ones that, you know, you try to stay alive in and stuff like that. And so I fly airplanes. I remember I learned to fly, I don't know, 16 years ago or something. I remember when I learned to do it, I, I had one instructor who was a, a, a helicopter pilot in Vietnam, thousands of hours. And I think sometimes when he was instructing me, like he thought we were back in Vietnam or something, we were getting shot at, the way that he would instruct me. But what was great was he would breathe, like I can still smell his breath, I can still hear his voice, and he's like right here. Fly the airplane out him. Okay, I'm trying, I'm trying, you know. But I'll tell you what, I remember after those instructions, the first few times I got in a situation in the air where I wasn't 100% comfortable, and I was what, alone and scared. What did I hear? I heard that instructor. I remember the first time I soloed. It's only after like 15 hours. And I've been up with my instructor, and the first time I looked over there, and I was alone, and I saw that empty seat next to me, and I knew I had to land that airplane on the ground, and it wasn't a helicopter, I was like... I don't know how to fly those either, but I'm like, this is scary, but what did I do? I'd been with him so much that I just heard him over and over again tell me what to do. You know, pitch for 80, ply throttle, you know, do this and that, and do all the different things that you would do. Sometimes we don't feel like God is with us, but guys, I know we live busy lives, and I know the kids have a busy schedule, and I know work can be just a pain in the butt. I know there's a whole lot of things that we can do, and I know our hobbies get the best of us, and I know we want to go fishing, and I know we want to go whatever. But if you don't spend time in God's Word, it's hard. You've got to draw near to Him, guys. We have to. And, and then when we don't, we don't just sit there and go, yeah, we've got a God who's so far. And, it, and then he goes on to say, well, the other thing you're supposed to do is obey. That's another popular thing, right? Well, here I am, the speaker at Hume Lake, telling you to be in your word and obey. I know, great, isn't it? It's in the Bible. And that word obedience isn't all that popular. You know, love and acceptance and tolerance, those are popular words. The word obedience, it's just not that popular. But over and over again, we find that in the Bible. In fact, in 1 Samuel, it says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And right here, he's basically telling Joshua, you meditate on my word, and you just live a life of obedience, and man, you're going to hear me right here all the time. And that's when he says, so be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you will go. I'm worried that, I don't know, that after these past couple years and with all the things that we're worrying about and fearing about all the time, and we're trying to like in and of our own might and our own strength to just kind of fix it all and let the world know what we think 
We just post it all on Facebook or we put signs out or we put a sticker out or a let's go somebody on your hat or whatever the heck it is. And we just go out there. We just try to do this and we try to raise a ruckus in all these different ways. And we get upset. There's people leaving churches and going to other churches because the way they've handled it. We got to do it this way. And everybody's just got an opinion. And and then, and then we're, we're scared about everything. And we just fill our news feeds with it. And we're on our phones all day and we're just worried about everything. How about if we just took a fraction of that time, just a fraction of that time, and spent time with a sovereign God who's in control? Because guess what? You think God sits back on his throne and goes, this perfect world just finally got messed up in 2020. I can't believe it. I had this thing perfectly under control. No, who's been running the world? Right? The, the enemy of this world prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour people. He's out deceiving people. He's tearing apart marriages. He's tearing apart families and homes and governments and schools. And it doesn't matter. Like I said, there's two things you can always count on, sin and change. It's going to happen as long as we're here on this earth. And you think God's up there on his throne just going, oh, can't believe it. Oh, those humans messed it up again. Thought they were going to get it right this time. No, we have a sovereign God who's in control. Who knows where we are at. Who knows what we're dealing with. Who knows the most inmost part of our being. Psalm 139 says that. Who knows what we worry about. Who knows what you're worrying about up here right now when I'm talking about it. God knows and he has it. He's got it taken care of. It may it turn out the way that you think it's going to turn out. Probably not. But peace doesn't come from us fighting on our own strength to have our own will. It's not where peace comes from. And if you've never experienced true peace, it comes from surrendering to that sovereign God who's on his throne to say, God, you're in control. I give you my life and my family and my finances and all the things that I worry about. And I lay them at your feet because the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. So be strong and be courageous. Let's go finish over in Joshua chapter 24. Flip over a few pages. So Joshua goes in, and guess what happens? He kicks butt. They go into the promised land. Joshua gets to the end of his life. And we found out that Joshua does have a fear. In 24.14, Joshua says this at the end of his life, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Joshua gets to the end of his life, and he realizes there's only one thing you ought to fear, and that's the Lord God Almighty. We worry about all these things on earth and all these material things. Do you ever think about at the end of your life, when you stand before God, what's going to count? To fear the Lord. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting thing. As you read about God, you certainly see things that God has this wrath and justice, but he also has this mercy and this forgiveness and can blend the two. But he goes on in Joshua 24, verse 15. 
He says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day, not tomorrow, not next weekend, not once I get out of college, not once I've worked my way up, not once I've you fill in the blank. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then, I just love this line, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua gets to the end of his life, and he's standing before this nation. And he just goes, look, a lot of you guys have been going back and forth. Elijah does it in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 2. He says, how long will you waver between two opinions? Either God's God or this other false God, Baal, is God. Like, you got to choose one or the other and serve him. There's no middle ground. There's no apathy. There's no complacency. And that's what's, that's what's crazy sometimes about us in our country that, you know, we're this nation under God and we... I don't know, we have all these, this rich history, if you would, as a country founded on these religious principles. And yet I look at it, and uh, this book's either true or it isn't. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me, John 14, 6. He was either crazy or he was God. Or he's full of it. Uh, and hopefully this weekend you get a bigger glimpse of who God is. You know, I said at the beginning that we feel like we needed this superhero to show up and to do something about something and give us something to believe in and to give us courage. But he has. He's already done it. A nail here, a nail here, and a nail here. And he died. So we might have life that ought to give us courage. I'm going to close by telling a story, and a lot of my old ABC friends will know this, and even some Hume friends. It's a story I've told up here at Hume, but I haven't been here in five years, so I thought I'd tell a story about a young man who's filled with courage. He wasn't Captain America. He was more like Captain America at the beginning of the movie, before he became Captain America. This was a kid. I see some nods because I know some of you know who I'm talking about. There's a picture of the kid, and his name, was, uh, his name was Clayton. And I was a youth pastor, and Clayton was in my youth group. But before that, uh, Clayton was a kid who got real sick and got leukemia in elementary school. And, uh, you know, he went through radiation, and he went through chemo and all those kind of things. And Clayton always had this thing about himself, and those of you in the room that know Clayton, uh, he's a kid that just had a whole lot of courage. He got into junior high, and... And his, uh, his, his leukemia came back. And uh, he had a bone marrow transplant. Goes away. Junior year of high school, comes back for the third time. Has a bone marrow transplant from his other sibling. It was a miracle that, that it could all work, I guess. I'm not a doctor. And, and all the while, he graduates high school, never reaching over 100 pounds. Not Captain America at the end of the movie. And uh, he starts to intern for a youth program at the church, first year of college, and and uh, comes back fourth time. He goes to Stanford, children's place. And I say, Clayton, uh, nothing we can do about it. And he said, well, how long I got to live? 18 years old. And he said, uh, 
few months, give or take. 18 years old. You talk about something to fear. Think about our problems. Think about what we're worrying about. Kid 18 years old says he's got three months left to live. Met with Clayton the next week. He was getting a blood transfusion in the hospital. And I said, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to pray and we're going to do a whole lot of things. But he said, uh, I don't want to waste my time. Next week, I invited him to speak at our youth group. 700 high schoolers showed up, and our church didn't even fit that many people. Teachers showed up. Principals showed up. 70 young people surrendered their life to the Lord that night. He then goes on to, took him up here once, and we did a video at Hume. And uh, it was shown at all the high school camps all summer to thousands of students. Spoke at churches in between blood transfusions. And on March 16th, 2009, there was a bunch of us in his living room, and we knew it was coming to an end. It was the last night. Talk about courage. I've been so scared. Sure, I talked to him. I remember one time, you know, what are the fears? My man, I'm not going to have a wife. I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to have all those things. That last night in his living room was a special time where he, uh, he started telling us, hey, I'm, you guys got to carry on the torch. Lord, your God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. We don't have to be a superhero. We don't have to rely on our own strength. He didn't have any physical strength. He didn't have money. He didn't have anything that's probably worrying us. 95-pound kid that was probably less at that moment, focused on others. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He didn't live in fear. Knowing his life was going to come to an end, he didn't live in fear. He lived in freedom. The next day, he experienced freedom. Like those of us that have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord will know and understand. And in the years following, his story continued. And he's been one of the single most influential people in my life. He's a kid, a little kid. Because he lived in freedom and he chose not to live in fear. God, just pray for this weekend. Pray for every story that's in this room, every person that's here. God, you know what's causing them to be fearful. May they be reminded tonight that the Lord. Your God is with them wherever they go. God, may this group of men be bold, strong, and courageous. May we be obedient, meditate on your word. We pray as we're here this weekend that you'd give us some special times in this room and special times on the lake and that you'd be glorified in all we say and all we do. And all God's men said, amen. amen. We'll see you guys in the morning.